0: Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Ulf Stenerhag here with me from Stockholm. Welcome to my podcast, Ulf.
1: Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here.
0: Ulf Stehnerhag has a background in the music industry as a freelance composer. He's a CEO at Tüme Technik, a Nordic tech trade company. Uh, he has extensive experience in value-based corporate culture work and is also co-founder of Not For Sale L. And today he's the founder and CEO of Way Out, a company that aspires to re-terraform Earth. Ulf, re-terraform Earth. What on earth is that?
1: That's a good question. The way our journey started a bit with uh, asking ourselves a question, what if we were to build civilization uh, today? How would we do it? Would we transport oil through continents in big pipelines? Would we transfer water in plastic? I don't think so. We think that we would probably design things according to All the famous buzzwords out there like fair, eco, transparent, empowering and everything like that. Mm. So what we are trying to do is to come with a solution that is according to what we think we would do if we would uh, start civilization again. Mm. Uh, So that's why we call it re-terraform. So we come back and do it right this time.
0: And, And I guess there are some, what do you think, countries and places on this earth that has the privilege to build something from scratch as well and it happens in several places in china and so on as well you know they build cities and places where they can really do it right from the beginning
1: yeah i think so and one one of the things that's probably stopping doing things right from the beginning today is when you're stuck in a big grid, or if you're stuck in big balance sheets from big corporates, mm. but some areas have this opportunity. Mm. Some uh, maybe from political reason that we don't always like, and some areas where because they don't have the grid, so they have to start from beginning.
0: And, and tell me more about this um, project um, that you're working on now within Way Out, uh, starting with, for example, water.
1: So way way out, we decided then to answer to the question, what if we were to build civilization again? And we also decided to start with something that is uh, some of the key elements we we, we need as humans, and that's clean water. I'm coming from the um, pharmaceutical industry or the process industry. Over the last twenty years, been building hygiene plants for pharmaceutical uh, manufacturers such as Pfizer and AstraZeneca and so on. So, with that knowledge, we, we uh, from the engineering side, we wanted to create something that is off the grid, solar panel driven, small scale, mm-hmm. and that can clean water anywhere and any kind of water. Mm-hmm. But we're also coming from. Within the partnership from everybody from the business sector, but also from, let's say, more creative industries like fashion and music and so on. But all of us included in the partnership have a business background. So we really wanted it to be all these kind of things that we were saying that fair, eco, empowering and so on. But it should be a sustainable business opportunity for the local communities as well.
0: And where are you in the process of this now?
1: So we have the first uh, uh, plants designed. Uh, uh, One of the first units goes to Nairobi in a couple of weeks. That will go to uh, uh, a place in the center of Nairobi. And that unit also produce any kind of beverage of clean water, uh, soft drinks, and even beer. So at that place, we get rid of all the plastic bottles or the glass bottles on top of that they get their own beverage their own brand and they are both empowering people for giving job opportunities but also keeping the profit in the country
0: how come you start there
1: that's a very good question i mean we have a strong focus in east africa and there there are a couple of reasons for that when we ask ourselves the question, what if we were to uh, uh, rebuild or restart civilization again? Where should we start? So we decided to start where the first humans appear. So the first unit is very close to the first footstep of mankind. Mm. The second unit goes to Serengeti, which is even closer to that, traces of, of first traces of mankind. Mm. So that's kind of from the philosophical point of view. We really wanted to start where we should start. Not in Silicon Valley, but in Rift Valley.
0: Mm.
1: The other point is back to the comments you had about some areas have easier to reshape. And in this part of the world, they're not stuck with industrial grid that we have, Uh, meaning that we can do it much faster Mm -hmm. and we can rebuild from beginning.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's another point. But of course, there's also commercial reason for it. It's one of the fastest growing beverage market in the world. The change of GDP in this region the uh, uh, demographic explosion with a number of young people coming up Uh, so that's also a very important factor we want to be there where we should be from a philosophical point of view where it's also also has a commercial power Mm -hmm. and the final reason is probably because it's very difficult if we can do it there we can do it in other places we don't want to start in a pilot case in our backyard With some, let's say, commercial ideas that might not be valid somewhere, we want Mm. to start where it's most difficult and most challenging. So Mm. having the first or the second unit in the central of Serengeti, it's probably one of the most difficult places you can imagine to set up a local brewery or a local beverage plant. Mm. For us, it's very clear why we're doing it there.
0: So then at a certain point in time, the next step will be then, I mean, you could you could launch this anywhere in, in, in our world here as well, for example, in, in Stockholm, right?
1: Yes, we could. Imagine every place where you have scarcity of water, where you want to get rid of microplastic, where you want to get rid of plastic bottles, uh, especially, of course, in areas where you have uh, not so good drinking yeah. water. Mm-hmm. But for sure, in areas like this, we, we take even salt water, so we have a desalination unit inside, so imagine you bring in areas where you have scarcity of water, you take the salt water, you, you make drinking water, sparkling water, mm. soft drinks, uh, vitamin drinks, or, or any kind of functional drinks, and even okay. up to beer. Mm. And you put it on places where you actually consume, so you get rid of the packaging and transport and, uh, and all the things that we have been used to over the last uh, couple of years that is actually destroying this planet.
0: And how much public have you been talking about way out? I mean, in the sense that have you had any feedback so far or?
1: Not so much. We are, are, let's say, hardworking people working more on deploying rather than to uh, shout about it. Mm -hmm. There is also reason for that. We want to make sure that everything works out fine before we go very, very public. There is also some patent discussions uh, ongoing and so on. Mm -hmm. We are very much, all of us, let's say, hard-working people that is actually totally focused on deploying the things so giving you one example we even got the first orders before we started up the company Mm -hmm. we want to move fast we want to deploy we want to do things Mm -hmm. I think uh, all of us are a bit tired on conceptualizing too much and and to speak too much we like to do
0: great that's uh, that's where the power always lies whatever you do it's in the actions yes actually I think so too. it's like a physical manifestation of, of, of intentions.
1: I had a meeting with some other entrepreneur that wanted to connect to us because they have similar ideas of bringing uh, some energy plant also off, kind of off the grid, making some uh, environmental friendly production. And the guy we spoke to, he had been working with us for eight years. He has probably 50 patents. He had good collaboration in the industry but he has never asked any customer if they want the unit. So we kind of started in the other way around. We went out and to see what, what is actually needed on the ground. And then we, let's say, ramp it up backwards what we need to do.
0: So who, who is a typical um, customer uh, of this in, for example, in Nairobi now?
1: So, the first customer, let's say the first phases we are, we are in, we are trying to bring them these units into larger chains. Mm-hmm. So, we have a large impact so that we can industrialize also the things. It could be hotel chains,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it could be big venues like football stadiums, it could be lodge systems, it could be n- nightclub chains and, and things like that. When we then later on get, uh, let's say, more industrializing the, the production, mm-hmm. we can move out to more rural areas mm-hmm. because the prices is less. Then we can imagine to put water units on each petrol stations, out in villages and basically everywhere where you need water.
0: So in that sense, it's really for everyone?
1: It should be for everyone. And I mean, everyone needs water and, and, and drinks in especially area also very much let's say with the touch of health health drinks uh, and nutritious we can imagine to put them on refugee camps as well as uh, in crisis areas it's very easy to deploy in that sense
0: fantastic but how, how did that idea come about in your in your mind um... when looking back on
1: my career or life I think everything I've done has been pointing towards this project or this startup and when people say that what is your dream occupation or dream challenge or whatever this is it mm-hmm. I've been involved in in the industrial let's say side of building the grid for pharmaceutical and hygiene plants I have a background with music and we are deploying these these units very close to where you have this high life thing if it's nightclubs or restaurants and mm-hmm. so we usually say high tech on the inside high life on the outside for mm-hmm. us i've always been very very interested in different cultures which brings them also to areas where we where we are starting up mm-hmm. and also been very much involved and interested in doing the right thing so participated in platforms and workshops and, and trainings of, of trying to do good with the, with the tools and, and ambitions and, and the experience we have. As I see it, everything that I've done so far has been a training camp for doing what I'm doing today.
0: <laughs> it's, it's interesting and it's also very powerful when you realize that actually.
1: Absolutely and it goes back to if you have very strong intentions or if it's kind of built in your DNA, mm-hmm. rather than it's a fixed idea for just promoting yourself or having fun or whatever, you just need to do it because it's the right thing. And then it's kind of unstoppable in that mm-hmm. sense.
0: And how would you like define your um, passion, You know, deriving from this word, patire, which is really... You know something that you're so interested in and passionate about that you're even willing to suffer for it if needed what would that be then for you
1: i think that the passion question is very interesting because in my and and i maybe i'm wrong here but i think that if you're passion driven it's also quite a lot about yourself so uh, let's say at least my passion and so on so if you ask me what my passion is that probably the answer will probably be music art or life itself, life in every forms, nature life, uh, high altitude, hiking, all the things that, I'm, that I would probably sacrifice a lot of things to do and to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes back to passion about what I'm doing, I think it's also something else than passion and maybe mm-hmm. passion has that factor inside itself. But for me, it's more mm-hmm. it's something that's need to be done. Mm-hmm. It's more about responsibility and compassion. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be done. And if uh, somebody else is doing that, that's fine. Then I go fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if somebody else is not doing that, I'm very much prepared to do that. And that's if you have that sense of urgency related to responsibility, it's very, very unstoppable force. Even if you fall down, you, you rise up all the time.
0: Yeah, because you're driven by something bigger than yourself.
1: Right? Absolutely. And whether that is passion or compassion or responsibility, mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's a force beyond yourself. And it's something it's something about contribute beyond yourself.
0: What would you say are like the transformational points in your life that have influenced you really the most so far?
1: There are probably, I mean, the, the usual suspects, I would say, when you get kids or when you need meet some very inspiring thing or when, when tragic things happen. But I would say in my life is probably also a lot about the small things that you connect to something larger. Mm-hmm. So it could be a music piece that inspires you and you realize that it's connected to something deep inside. It could be a, 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 some poetry or some quote or something you experience in nature. And and for me, most of my inspiration comes from nature. But when it comes to the transformation points again, I would say that if I'm supposed to drive a lifeline and say where are the most important points where things are shifting or changing, I would always connect them to meeting people. And usually it's meeting some of my best friends today. Mm. So I think that thanks to my friends, I am who I am. And uh, thanks to the people that inspire me, I, I am who I am. For sure, there are also certain very specific people or quotes or or happenings. I once learned some important wisdom words from the faith keeper uh, Chief Or Lion, a native Native American leader, also a, a very good source of of wisdom when he was speaking at World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. he met those very high level of CEOs from General Electric, General Motors, and he was invited to have a speech about sustainability, and he couldn't really get the sense of being close to people and understand their behavioral background, and he had the, probably the sense of that they didn't believe, could sense that they was connected to him. But then he was speaking to a guy, and he was just asking, are you a grandfather, and the guy said, yeah, 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 I'm a grandfather. I actually have an eight-year-old grandson. And Chief and, and Oran lion then said, well, you know, I also have an eight-year-old grandson. And they really found each other. So they were speaking about their grandsons and, and life. And then he just said in the middle of a sentence, uh, uh, Oran eye," and said, well, you know, there is something I'm actually wondering about. So could you explain to me exactly where from your home to your office you stop being a grandfather. So how can you behave differently in terms of values and and decision making when you're home and then you come to the office, you take decision that is bad for your grandchildren or your children's children or future generations. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, that was an absolutely changing point in my life. And, And since then, I can't take decision that is bad for my future generations. It's impossible. Another story, and actually the, the, the interesting story with back to Oran Lyon again, he inspired me 13 years ago, I think, with that quote I heard or, or the story. And I've been kind of waiting for his phone call since then to tell him that everything I've done since then has been inspired by that quote. And by coincidence, he called me three days ago and it was a very inspiring talk <laughs> for one hour and I and I just tell him that you know what the things that we are doing right now for example with Way Out getting rid of the plastic bottles in Serengeti it's thanks to your beautiful story in World Economic Forum.
0: Fantastic when, when things are like synchronized at the end it's, it's, it's beautiful but what, at this event you mentioned how did uh, this um, General Motors let's say grandfather uh, how did he respond to that question?
1: I'm not sure exactly what did happen but then Oren also told me that he had another saying to the guys because they were asking him, you know, you're native guys, you have predictions, you can tell things that, that are going to happen. And he said that, yeah, yeah, you know, I actually have a prediction and it's going to be true. And he said, yeah, yeah, listen. And they were kind of uh, uh-huh. bullying him a bit. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to come back next year and nothing has happened. Oh, gosh. I'm not so sure they appreciated him so much, <laughs> but I think he made his point clear. And that's the most important thing.
0: Why is it so difficult?
1: We have a culture that is a lot based on greed and selfishness and exploring your own profit. I think that somewhere we kind of lost the sense of responsibility. And once again, coming back to the conversation I had with Oren, we both agree that we need to grow up. We need to get rid of our toys, become adults, Mm. grow up. Mm. It's not that more difficult than that.
0: And a couple of months ago, when I was um, having an interview with um, uh, Simon Sinek that you were also listening to, and he was talking about this you know mindset of this infinite game that mm-hmm. we should look at companies and organizations as as bodies that are working under the umbrella of an infinite game it's it's not finite. we're building forever.
1: and I think that's absolutely true and I think that one of the most important attitude or character as leaders is persistence and persistence goes back to that infinite game it never stops Mm. i go back to a thing that i've learned many many years ago it's also from native side when you are walking a very very long distance and and Mm. you get tired you can focus on the horizon and Mm. you can imagine there is a tree Mm. and then you tie a rope in that tree and then that rope goes back to yourself and then you imagine all the time that you're connected to that horizon and there is somebody out there, the tree itself is dragging you there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so that kind of image I've I'm used myself quite a lot and it's also a little bit about trying to create images that helps you to stay persistent and also consider it's a it's yeah. not a finite game.
0: Yeah, and, and also he was uh, you know discussing, um, of course, the, the power of having a clear purpose and the clarity that comes with that about choosing trust, about ability to change, hmm. and then also the courage to actually lead. And when you do all these things and have that kind of mindset and work like this, then, then companies can skyrocket um, and get everything right, actually. And then I read somewhere very recently um, something along those lines that only when you have a deep understanding of who you are and where you are going tomorrow can you confidently make the brave short-term calls needed to activate courage today. How much is it about courage that people are not doing things?
1: I think it's a lot. I would say that we are missing leadership and, and bravery today. It's a lot about bravery and being brave outside your yourself. Once again, goes back to contribute beyond yourself. Do something for others. Be brave. Mm. I think that there is a beautiful there is a beautiful quote from Rumi that I usually go back and read to myself and that's forget safety, live where you fear to live, destroy your reputation, be
0: notorious.
1: (laughs) I just love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I also felt myself that sometimes when I'm doing things that somebody would say, oh my god, how do you dare do that? I would never, you know, put myself out there. And I'm saying, but I'm not doing it it's easier and it's easy getting easier because I'm not doing it because of me. I'm doing it because of something bigger than myself. So I owe it to the big idea. I owe it to the purpose I have, right? And then it becomes easier to get out of that, let's say, comfort zone and, um, and live on, on more on, on some kind of edge. I
1: think that's absolutely true. My, myself, coming a bit from the music side, when you are in, let's say, creative areas... And start to or try to create for yourself or try to write as yourself or, or write to yourself or through yourself, it could be seriously difficult. Look at all the people around the world that has been writing as other people. It could be David Bowie, it could be Johann Sebastian Bach uh, writing for God. And it's by far much easier if you consider that either you are somebody else or you're writing for somebody else.
0: Yeah. Great reflection. And what would you say is like the long-term solutions for business uh, that you would believe in?
1: I think it's about responsibility for future generations. That's kind of the base for what we should do. I think that it also goes back to improvement of performance. If you have seriously good intentions, Mm. you will perform better. Mm. If you are taking serious responsibility, you will have a more sustainable Mm. platform because there is no business on a dead planet. Uh, So whatever we do, it it has to be persistent and consistent over over time Mm -hmm. and sustainable. Mm
0: -hmm. If uh, we dream a little bit and say that you have every single door open to you and all resources available, what would you then immediately innovate uh, or change?
1: I would absolutely sure do what I'm doing today. And for me, it's not about resources, it's about resourcefulness. Mm. It's actually about you have what you have and you do what you have to do. I don't think that with some more billions of dollars, it would be different. Mm. It might go a bit quicker, mm. but we do what we need and must do mm. and we will do that. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I'm in a privileged situation that I can do that and have kind of found that purpose. And any day of the week it will be the same thing.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's beautiful to get to a point where you don't consider what you're doing a job. It's rather part of your life and you just...
1: Yeah, we are here to change something. We have yeah. a very, very important task to change how the industry looks today, to uh, change how we see on water scarcity. And to give a good example, I think that's one of the most important things we do. For us, it's not even about the water, it's not even about changing the grid. It's about showing that we can do things differently mm. and we can do it right.
0: And I've seen um, you know, several companies that are doing very much the right thing. And they are typically also very many of them are quite small compared to the big ones. Yeah. To give a very concrete example, one small home fashion interior design company called Chetval Johnson has been delivering products that are like really like 300% traceable and proving the point and using everything in their power, you know, in terms of circular economy and so on and managed to do that and achieved that. And I was present during one of the presentations and the only thing that people were asking about is, what is your next step? Instead of celebrating, that they've Mm. they've made it. They have a formula that is proving that you can produce these textiles in a certain manner, right? Or these these carpets or cushions, whatever. And the big players... Are not then rushing there to copy paste that formula but rather are lining up a lot of excuses for not doing it so you have this kind of david goliath kind of you know situation and i'm just i was just intrigued by this uh, thinking you know how come that these uh, heroes that are out there don't get the attention that they deserve why are we not just like celebrating them applauding them and rather saying okay so what's your next step
1: <laughs> i totally agree on that and and i was uh... I was meeting that kind of attitude, I think it was two years ago, I was in Uganda, I was driving out on the countryside, I'm involved or ambassador for an NGO called the Hunger Project, which I think is doing a great job in in the region, empowering people, building communities. We we were driving to a place, went off the car and start moving towards this uh, house uh, that the Hunger Project called, they call it an epicenter, which includes a lot of different uh, things like a micro bank and so on. But on the way, I saw a small platform with three small plastic bottles with some yellow stuff inside. And I was just curious, but i kind of dropped that. Uh, and Then I moved on 40, 50 meters away. And then I just thought, I need to go back and see what that was. It was a small plate with a carton box and inside there were three bottles. And I went back and and I just asked some of the people there and they said, this is a petrol station. This is a gas station. I said, this is probably the smallest petrol station I've seen in the world, but it's also the most beautiful one. So I started to take some pictures and out from the bush jumps a man saying, hey, I'm the owner. (laughs) And he was super proud and he was placing himself beside the, the bottles. And I took some photos and I totally fall in love with that petrol station. I'm still wanting to do a documentary on that. So the world's smallest petrol station. But my first thing that come to mind is that how can I help him to sell 10? And then I kind of and I kind of stopped myself and said that, hey, wait a minute. I'm standing in front of the guy with the biggest smile I have seen in 20 years. He's probably one of the most proud person I've met. He's probably one of the most happy person I've met. And I'm trying to bring an idea to him that he should do more. So that, that was a very, very powerful moment for me. Uh-huh. It's not all about doing it bigger, larger, yeah. whatever. We, we have to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And going back to the, mm-hmm. to the documentary I want to do, it's, it will be about that kind of, let's say, clash between, certainly I have things that he wants, but he certainly has things that he can learn to me. So, and the dialogue between the two different mindsets. So it's a good point.
0: And if you could give one piece of advice to, to leaders, what, what would it be right now? It will probably
1: be, again, back to the take responsibility, be brave things and also lean to your, let's say, be mm-hmm. really persistent. Mm-hmm. But before that, try to figure out who you are. Yeah. Try to figure out who you are, why you go to the office. What are you there for? I think we are rather quick in finding ourselves in, in the how and how to do things and more uh, getting some objectives and tasks and, and, and things like that before we're really figuring out why are we here. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be try to figure out that and there is a very good uh, inspiration source and that's nature. Go out in nature, spend two days there on your own and you figure out.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's really um, a good piece of advice and um, very often people try to kind of divide the two and say okay what is my professional purpose uh, or so and then what is my like personal purpose but the beauty is when you marry those two and it's, it's all one and you then you express it professionally in different yeah. ways right
1: Yeah I think so and I and for me it's even difficult to be two persons or to have two sets yeah. of values and once again back to the story. Where on the way to my, uh, from my home to my office should I change? If you can really figuring out why you're doing things, you will find the same set of values and mm. attributes or whatever you call them at home and at office.
0: Mm. Yeah, and the beauty is also that then you will eventually also attract the right people to you whether it is for cooperation or friendship or whatever uh, or the right kind of companies to you and then the people on board will be attracted and they will yeah. also share the same thing absolutely and I, what i've seen so much uh, up front in real life is that when there is this magnetism i mean people are just running to you know to go to work because they're part of something that they want to share with others
1: we see that as well and i think that's very strong force and even today Young people search for meaning, not for salary in that sense, so, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being a part of things. So we have to be careful when we build up corporates in, for the future. Mm. What are we offering to the people that we want to join?
0: Yeah, you have for the past 20 years built up a company uh, as well. I mean, the, the Swedish company we mentioned before. And um, when you did that, how much did you really set it up in this way, in, in a kind of purposeful, um, values-driven way? Or was it an evolution? It's always
1: an evolution, I think. We, are, we always have to be long-term because we're speaking about culture change and that mm-hmm. takes time. And mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not something that you have a workshop and then it's done. It's something you have to live. No, I think that I put all my efforts during the last 10 years in, in, in culture mm-hmm. change programs or culture development programs. And mm-hmm. when people asked in the past, at least, uh, what's your main task at, as, as a CEO? Mm-hmm. I always said, I always chose things that is connected to culture change. Yeah. I put a lot of attention of building up something that was trying to uh, explore how we could create more trust by being more taking larger responsibility. Uh, so we started up a foundation that was virtually owning 10% of the company. Mm-hmm. Some part of that money had to go to social impact project. So the staff was actually, by the end of the year, they had a bunch of money mm-hmm. that they have to decide together what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of starting to explore, train to do something outside uh, the company, taking responsibility in the larger mm-hmm. perspective. We have free voluntarily and paid days. And slow by slow, you see this kind of good intention starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes just a very, very clear part of the culture or the DNA and it's very, very trust-building. And we could see rather quickly on financial figures that we had increased profit. We were growing faster than others. The employees stayed longer. We had easier to get good partners. Mm. So it was really hard. I mean, we could measure it by hard facts. Mm. But it all started in, in trying to figure out what is actually improving our performance. So if we start to really dig into that, then we realized that in our case, it was really how can we build trust better? How can we attract people, attract customers, attract partners? Mm. And then we figure out it's all about ourselves. It's not about our products and it's all about our behavior, who we are, uh, how we act. And then we put people in psychology courses rather than sales courses or whatever kind of things that is developing yourself. Mm. And it, it really pays off. And once again, you can read it in the in the last row in the financial report.
0: That's the, the beauty of, of all of this, that today, I mean, there's so many things out there that are measurable and there is facts and figures supporting the fact mm. that generally companies who are more like purpose and values driven and so on, bottom line, uh, they produce at least 20 to 30% more uh, profit.
1: When speaking to other, uh, let's say, business leaders, I usually start in the, in the figures and then go backwards and say, and how did you do that? And then then you can explain kind of the more soft values and the roadmap to get to that point. Mm.
0: But if we get back to, let's say, 15 years ago or so, uh, is there any particular advice you would not have liked to give yourself?
1: Thousands of advice, probably. I usually try to rephrase that question a bit, saying that what is the advice... I would give me in 15 years to the self I am right now. (laughs) But uh, some of the advice I would certainly have given is uh, that there is a lot of value in connecting to people. So this networking and meeting people is very, very important. I never realized that uh, earlier, really. Mm. That's one thing. And then, again, explore who you are and why you're doing things. Don't get trapped in the idea of... uh, becoming somebody that you think others want you to become explore yourself be brave and take responsibility
0: and if it would be you were playing around with the idea of plus 15 years
1: (laughs) (laughs) now i have to answer on that one that's a difficult one yeah what would i say in 15 years to myself right now probably i would say you, you you need to get a better balance with work and private life and try to Try to spend some more times with yourself in terms of uh, taking care of your physical and mental health.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) That's probably the advice I I would have given to me. Uh, And
0: and yet you come across as a very balanced and, and, and kind of... I feel like you, you do take care of yourself and you do things, you, you, you do separate yourself from the daily stuff to, to spend in nature and, and all yeah. these things, right?
1: But I would probably advise more. me to do even more. I got an advice from a very inspiring person, uh, uh, John Milton, that is, uh, uh, was one of the founders of the um, environmental movement in the past. So he's, he, mm-hmm. he became a good friend and uh, he's, he's working a lot with bringing people out in nature to reconnect to nature in in a very, let's say, deep sense. And his advice was absolutely connect even more to nature and you will you will perform three times more.
0: Mm.
1: So it's not only about yeah. relaxations, it's also about getting a more mm. uh, relaxed way of doing things, but also taking better decisions in what not to do.
0: Yeah, exactly, because the success um, lies very much in knowing what to say no to. Absolutely. And what do you think is um, like the one most important thing for companies to focus on uh, right now?
1: I think it's one once again figuring out why they are there and do that search for real. Because if you figure out that you're doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. change. It's not necessarily every time to we're doing the wrong thing, we have to stop and we have to dismount the company. You have time to change, but take responsibility and do that. Mm-hmm. But you will never do that until you are brave enough to figuring out what you are here to do. And once again, I think it also ties back to letting the individual in each organization explore that. Mm-hmm. Because what we see today, for example, there's a lot of people speaking about value-based leadership or value-driven organization. And then they put up three values mm-hmm. and they said, this is our core values. Everybody has to follow. That is normative values. That is actually values that like the Ten Commandments or a kind of rules. Mm-hmm. And that's basically fine. But when it comes to what is uh, inspiring us and drives us, it's our personal values. Let your organization explore mm-hmm. individually why you are here. Some people might, might leave the company, but then they should leave the company. Mm-hmm. Some people will really find out that this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, be brave enough to let go of that control. I wouldn't say stop writing these uh, values that you, you create. But I think it's more important that let let the people explore their own personal values.
0: Mm. And there is a company based in Singapore, Mind Valley, for example, that are like transforming, you could say, the concept of education in mm. general. And then for them, for example, and they're trying to, of course, uh, to spread this um, way of thinking and doing to other companies. What they do is before they even uh, hire somebody is that they make sure that they put down on an A4 paper on one page to write down, you know, what do they want to contribute to? What is it that they want to achieve? And really, like, how do, how do they want to grow? What are they after? So they, they kind of put down a personal blueprint of themselves on a piece of, simple piece of paper. Yep. And then they discuss that. So that's more important than the kind of formal skills that you would assume that somebody would have to do a certain job. And that's how they know eventually and they put up these papers basically on the wall where you have, if you have 200 employees, you have 200 papers up the wall, which means that you can then read all these very intriguing, interesting facts about a person. Mm. And so the colleagues found each other Mm. by reading about what's driving them, you know, in terms of, you know, putting out the personal kind of drivers and, and values and then they put together this as a formula for the whole company as such so um it's it, and it's really powerful because it shows if they're not even reflecting on these things if they don't even know what to put down there of course they will maybe help them but they will attract the right kind of people by doing this
1: absolutely we are actually doing that you in know in, in in the company and uh, we are using a tool called Values Online. It's, this, it's the same kind of tool set that you actually actually, you are yourself exploring who you are and then yeah. you're telling others. It's not like a management tool that somebody should see that you are yellow, red or green or whatever, and then they should manage you in that way. So this is a storytelling tool. We've done that over the last seven years in the company so that the strategy that is built from the company is built from the individuals in the company. And having that is very much more powerful because we we build on common ground. And I think it's seriously difficult for one top manager to have all the answers to everything. I think it's more more brave to to say that I don't have the answer to everything. And we have hundreds of employees that probably together have a brilliant set of of answers when it comes to strategy, when it comes to values, when it comes to where we should go. So we always ask the people and we always explore these characters and life wishes or whatever and also do it in groups and connect them together like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very, very good way of, let's say, exploring the the set of values and also release the power from the people and release the commitment from the people. Mm -hmm. I did actually the... The other day, I I did this value online with with a good friend. Mm. It's always, you see the power of doing that, but it's also very powerful for yourself when you're in in the room because you constantly are are reminded about who you are through others. And I think that is very, very important. Mm. And I think that it, it also goes back to some of the questions you had earlier about bravery and about that. And it's also about the bravery of losing control And I saw even on on social media the other day, an old, small uh, video from Frank Zappa. I've seen it before several times, but it's equally good each time where he was explaining that it was much easier to get more exciting and and, uh, creative music in the past through the record company where there was old men in cigar that didn't know anything about music because they were brave enough to say that, I don't know, give it a chance. And after a couple of years, there was young, young, uh, uh, hot uh, A&Rs that said that this will not work because I know what the people want. Mm. And I think that's a very dangerous thing. I was struck by a poem from a Jewish poet, Yeda Amishai, many, many years ago. And that's kind of follow me. And it followed me so hard, I had to write it on a big wall at home Mm. for my kids to see as well. So it goes like from the place where we are right no flowers grow in the spring and i think it's so powerful and you have to let go and understand that there is things that you don't know or were wrong otherwise it will never grow so that's kind of follow me like a, a lighthouse or whatever and i even written it on a wall for myself to see it every morning
0: what do you think that the world needs most at this time
1: leadership and hope and, and bravery again. And I think that bravery and leadership is probably the same. And even hope goes, goes along that. Mm-hmm. I think some very inspiring uh, happenings right now is when our, and we should be super proud of uh, uh, the Swedish lady that enters into New York by sailing boat the other day. These kind of things gives true hope for most people. Some people get hateful, but that's up to them. And I think that's kind of inspiring things that people just do and they have a... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they have a hope for the future. They think that they can change and they're actually doing it. Mm. And that's what we're trying to create with Way Out as well. We are doing it. Whether people think that we are crazy or it won't work or whatever, we are doing it. Mm. And I think that kind of leadership, hope, bravery, it's absolutely necessary today. Mm. And once again, back to the discussion I had with Oren, and I told him that we need heroes of hope. And I think that it really came to me that during that phone call but i think that's so true we need heroes of hope
0: Mm. wonderful that's exactly how i see the people that i invite to the podcast i see (laughs) them as heroes really because they serve as as good examples of people who are either under the radar or very much in the public eye but still they're doing fantastic things and you know life is not so easy that you can like share or look for some kind of a recipe set of, of recipes that do this and you, no. everything will work out. Everybody has their own journey. But all of them uh, that I talk to are examples uh, and everybody can learn and pick parts of it and, mm. and take it into their
1: own world. I got a very good advice some years ago from a newfound friend who actually gave that advice to his daughter. Uh-huh. And it's like the, the daughter was saying that it was something was difficult or it was, was hard to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just told her, it's easy. First you start. And then you continue. And I just love that. It's very, very easy. First you start, then you continue.
0: Yeah, very much of, of important things in life that I've done so far is really by just just trying it out. Just try. You know, this Nike kind of just do it. Yeah. But actually, just try is, is even easier because it's more like, uh, you know, less less scary. Ulf, thank you so much um, for sharing everything. And um where can people find out more if they want about Way Out or is it too early?
1: It's early, but they can reach out to myself on yeah. ulf.stenerhag mm-hmm. at Way out, I-N-T-L. It should stand for international. international. Right. So wayoutintl.com, they could reach out. They would find on, on webpages, on social media and so on. Okay, great.
0: Actually,
1: it's a great name, Way Out. Yes, and it's also aspired to a lot of things. So we want to be way out with our solutions. Uh, But it's also way out of the matrix. Uh, So there is a lot of sense to that name. And uh, um, it's actually made by our brilliant creative director. and An old friend that I didn't... I was not in contact with him for 30 years. And then we met and then I brought him into... or, Or he was bringing himself in, more or less to weigh out, and that's where we are. So it's kind of an old friend thing as well.
0: Uh Great. Fantastic. Um, And uh, also everybody will will find links and and show notes on um, corporateunplug.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing exactly this. Please rate and review the podcast if you enjoyed it. And um, thank you so much for listening, and until next time live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao Wolf.
1: Ciao.